1: The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Hi, listeners! Welcome to another episode of Melting Pot. I'm really, really excited to chat with Dave Protham Roy, who's a young entrepreneur based in Mumbai. And he started something called canvas.in along with two other partners with the aim of creating a community of designers and artists. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. My listeners and I are really, really looking forward to getting to know your story. Maybe we should start with your name and uh, because you know as i was mentioning to you before the conversation started that you know i saw your name you know your skype id is rohit roy so i got very used i thought i was connected <laughs> someone yes
2: new. absolutely
1: so thank you so much for being a part of melting
2: pot absolutely pilots uh, it's a pleasure and i'm uh, i'm glad we could do this and I'm really happy that uh, you're having me on this call. Uh, so yeah, uh, first things first, just to set the record straight. Uh, I am Rohit Roy as well. It's a long story, uh, but long story short, I'm a Bengali, right? So most Bengalis have essentially two names, right? And uh, a lot of the nicknames are pretty much, you know, like a Babai or a Papai which is not really used. But some Bengalis like me, uh, we have names which seem like proper names that can be used, like a Rohit. So Rohit is actually a name that uh, my parents, my uh, my sister, they call me at home. So growing up, I, I realized there is something, a concept of a good name, right? So <laughs> a good name is a Deprotim Roy, a nickname is a Rohit Roy in, in Bengali terms. So uh, growing up, uh, a lot of the times, I found it easier for myself to be introduced as Rohit when it came to, you know, uh, Informal conversations, and uh, soon as years started passing by, the 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 load of these two names started taking its toll. So I realized probably I need to stick to one, and might as well stick to my formal name and own up to it. Uh, which okay. there's nothing wrong with it, except that I don't like being called Dave. So <laughs> <But> that's <laughs> okay. something I need to live with.
1: <laughs> so and the Skype fun. idea is a little. Yeah, right. So it's either Rohit or Roy or Dev Protham, but not Dev is what you're it's saying.
2: It's not Dev. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's actually Dev Protham or Roy. A lot of my friends also call me Dev Pro, but that's something that has uh, stuck around since school. And uh, that's a new conversation, right? If, if I tell someone that you can call me Dev Pro, then they're like, I'm sorry, what? Well, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, Why should I call you that? Like, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so yeah, so- right. Okay, cool. So
1: I will, uh, because they brought them at times, you know, I may have a a problem with. So because I I want to get it absolutely right. So I'm going to, in conversation, you know, call you Roy, as you have suggested earlier. So that's
2: that's, that'll keep it shorter as well. So it's, it's fantastic.
1: Okay, great. So how do we, you know, so tell my listeners and me a little bit about your journey and how you came to setting up canvas.in you know but like what's your background which part of india are you originally from and you know what's your story essentially
2: all right so i'm uh, i'm from a town called ranchi uh, you might have heard of Dhoni. Uh, i'm guessing so <laughs> ranchi's claim to fame is Dhoni. Uh, Ranchi is the capital of Chharkat, I'm from Ranchi originally. Back in 2008 I uh, came from Ranchi to Bombay and I've been in Bombay ever since so I studied in Bombay, I was in uh, IIT Bombay and I was there for the uh, next five years in 2013 and uh, so I I studied physics, engineering physics at uh, uh, Bombay and uh, beyond that I I did I think a year and a half worth of jobs after which I started Canvas. So uh, a little background into why I probably started a company of my own. When I was in school, I I, I used to read a lot of books uh, around uh, some famous entrepreneurs uh, like uh, Bill Gates, for that matter. In In fact, Bill Gates had a very uh, had an impactful uh, presence in my in my in my years in my school and. Uh, one of, the school, uh, one of the books about Bill Gates, which is I think a very unofficial biography of Bill Gates, is was called The Plot to Get Bill Gates, it's very hard to find. In fact, right now I'm getting one of the copies of that book uh, from the US and it's very difficult to get a hold of. And when I read this book it was extremely, it, it was very inspiring in a way and this was back in high school when I read this and back in the day I realized that there's something that I definitely need to do in my life is make things of my own. But It's something that you know gets clouded, gets muddled as you grow up and when you get into a college like uh, an IIT, it's kind of uh, an obvious sense of things that you'll probably get a good job and I did get a job, a good job at that but slowly I realized when I was actually graduating from uh, my college, I realized that I really need to do something and uh, A lot of things were uh, changing the the market of India, this was 2013, so mobile apps were new, WhatsApp was something of uh, a new messenger of sorts that was making waves. Of course, as usual, India is pretty late to most things. But uh, things were getting just started back then, and this was the time when there was a massive amount of money being pumped into the startup ecosystem in India. This was in a way the first wave of money coming in, after which there were a lot of uh, failures here and there. I wouldn't call them failures but learning events uh, so during this time a few of my friends and i wanted to set up a company uh, this was around micro rating and uh, when we started that company i was doing a job back then i was at quicker uh, quicker which is the classifieds uh, platform so i wasn't very happy doing a job honestly and this is nothing against quicker or the team they were lovely people but uh, i wasn't looking at myself continuing with a job so i left the job at quicker to continue my kind of, not dream, my, my pursuit into building this micro-rating platform. And the moment I left Quicker, within a month of that, I had to pretty much uh, cancel my plans. During, uh, but this, uh, it's, it's actually a different story altogether. But during that time, I was actually working with a friend of mine, uh, Ankit, who was uh, setting up. Kind of a print shop of his own and uh, he was basically discussing ideas around design with me and this was uh, pure graphic design t-shirts and stuff like that and uh, back in those times uh, i i spoke with him i spoke with another uh, friend of mine vikash uh, another friend of mine rovin rovin is still with us with canvas and uh, we started working towards a a concept of a community of designers. This this community of designers is something that we felt was extremely needed because uh, design was just starting to catch up with the times in India. And I don't mean any uh, malice against the established design colleges in India, but uh, becoming mainstream is something of a very different trend altogether. So during 2015 is when we realized if you want to really aggregate uh, designers and uh, provide value to them, post their education, or for that matter, make that a very, uh, you know, a a good purpose in life, then you'll probably have to get the resources straight, you'll probably have to get the uh, agencies straight for that matter. So we realized the first thing to do was probably build a community, an online community, and an online community of design absolutely meant having a portfolio site. We wanted to do a little bit more than that. We wanted to build a community that actually provided value at multiple fronts. So we wanted to test out jobs, we wanted to test out merchandising as an option. Obviously, uh, we wanted to test out the portfolio in itself as an option. And uh, all these things came together into something that we, I mean, quite aptly back then called Canvas since then we have actually realized the need for uh, design in the country has been evolving pretty fast and uh, during 2016 something that we understood was probably to make the most impact in the life of a designer is to get them work and that work needs to be probably executed via us because there is uh, the, 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 the industry is fairly nascent in a way there is a, there are a lot of industry there are a lot of companies out there and uh, who have designers as, as a requirement and there are quite a few designers out there who have the skill sets to offer, but there is nobody in the middle to actually get the job done because there is mistrust, there is lack of transparency, and uh, there is generally a lack of structure in the market, which is also true for many other developed markets as well. And uh, there's something that I've realized through the years that currently in India, I think there are over 30 million MSMEs, over 30 million MSMEs, and that's just MSMEs, and there are many other bigger firms as well. Gradually, a lot of these firms will start uh, you know, they they'll start having the need for having design as a function, as a purpose in their uh, in their in their, in their company, and there aren't many designers in India, especially the trained ones. Uh, there are there are some, but uh, it's a staggeringly low number, and uh, that is something of a gap which cannot be matched just simply. and uh, that's, that's something of a gap that nobody really talks about. So we realized that that's actually a, it's a splendid opportunity for us to do something like this. We, we started talking to a lot of designers from our community and uh, they have their own uh, group of people that they work with generally. And we started working with a lot of independent designers, bringing them together into distributed diverse teams. And uh, we pitched a concept to companies back in 2016 that uh, we are going to assemble these teams and uh, we are going to take charge of your project. We are going to execute the project and the accountability lies with us. So you don't have to worry about the fact that these are independent designers. Uh, You just have to worry about the fact that your design is getting executed, your work is getting executed by people who are really good at what they do. These are independent designers who want to make a mark in the world by themselves. And we are not just middlemen. We are not account managers, we are designers ourselves. So I'm a self-taught designer. My partners, uh, Rovin, Premankan, they they are, Rovin is a tech person, Premankan is a trained designer himself. What we realized is we need to fill the gap of being a design manager to the client and also to the designer, right? To the designer at the Canvas Club end and the client who has the work. So what happens then is you provide a very solid value in both of their lives. The client gets to work with someone who can answer actual design questions one-on-one, while uh, the designer gets to work with someone who can understand the nuances of design, with whom they can can, uh, discuss, they can uh, brainstorm ideas. So that basically gave rise to our primary business model and our main function, which is Canvas Club. And uh, lately we have been exploring a lot of different opportunities in India, which are around design education, which are around tooling and so on. So uh, that was like a very abridged version of uh, how Canvas has been over the years. Uh, we've been working with some really great companies. We've been working with Aditya Birla Capital, ICICI, Drip Capital, Z5 and so on. And uh, one of the learnings that I had was uh, when we started with this model. This model was something of a fringe model. And uh, when we started discussing with people in the industry as to whether they would like it or not, Our understanding was most likely older firms will stay away from this and will stick to the agency model, the typical agency model, and startups will be the ones who lap it up the most. It actually turned out to be the exact opposite of that. Older firms were the ones who actually adopted this far faster than run-of-the-mill startups for that matter. And uh, that's been a great learning. It has also been great for business. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, some of the stories in Canvas uh, that I could uh, bring together. I'm sure you can dig out more.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I picked up somewhere that you said that it's a holistic design online platform. So I guess that sort of sums it up, right? Because you act as an interface between the client and the designers. Absolutely. so yeah so how many designers you know do you actually work with at the moment? How many designers do you have do they freelance for you do they because you said that some of them were independent designers as well right
2: Yeah So currently I think uh, the Canvas club uh, as a pool is comprised of around a hundred odd designers who actively work with us and uh, the extended canvas community has around 10,000 designers online and uh, there are various types of designers some of them are actually even artists as well and when it comes to canvas club actually the variety of designers is something that matters to us a lot uh, we try to we try to stay away from the word freelance primarily because it has uh, it's, it's you know it has grown to kind of adopt a negative connotation of sorts we like to call them independent designers because they are independent in the truest sense of the term these are people who have uh, adopted a lifestyle of doing more More to actually the fact that I was telling you the number of opportunities out there which are uh, coming from the the sheer lack of uh, supply in design is basically something a lot of these designers have realized. Uh, Most of our independent designers at one point of time they work on two to three different projects with us with one or two teams and we don't try to extend it more because then the load becomes too much because you know there is a distribution of load from various projects and you never know which project will start uh, demanding more so we try to limit it to two to three different projects and uh, this is something they have realized a lot this is massively great for business this is great for experience this is something that will give you far more than sticking to a regular job not that there is anything wrong with that but why not pick more when there is more if you can of course if you can have the appetite and that is something that is actually helping us getting better and better designers. Of course, uh, aside of the quality, something that we take very seriously is you know, the workability of a person, the work ethic that comes very important to us because we have always been something that I, I think I didn't focus much on, but we have been absolutely remote from day one of Canvas Club. So these new times are not very new for us. <laughs>
1: So when you say remote, what does that mean?
2: So we don't meet each other. For that matter, we we don't even need to do a lot of video calls. And uh, so some of the designers are based out of Bangalore, some are of Delhi, a lot of them are based out of Bombay. And uh, they are always in sync with a lot of cadence with our teams. And uh, we hardly meet unless it is for, you know, just meeting for the sake of meeting, you know, saying hi and hello and having a drink or two. That's, yeah, that's just, how we do it.
1: Just like putting an, a face to, to the yes. name and the person. Completely really,
2: informal. Yes.
1: Informal. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. So so now Canvas Club and has been in existence for five years or seven? Four and a half-ish, around four
2: and a half-ish. Yeah. half-ish.
1: Yeah. So are you going to diversify, you know, again, within the design format or within the design community? But is there something else, you know, are you thinking of doing, you know, moving on to doing other stuff within that?
2: Right, that's actually, uh, that's that's an interesting question, uh, because the answer is yes, uh, but within design and tech as an ecosystem. So through the years, uh, we have actually always been extremely tech driven. So whenever our clients work with us, one of the biggest advantage of working with us is that we talk the tongue of tech. So when we are Supposed to execute a particular project, we know the tech viability of the designs that are being made. We know how to talk to the tech teams at the client's uh, side, and it becomes very smooth for them. It's actually tied into the way we are. Uh, We are going about a journey in design and tech. We have realized there is a there's a lot of knowledge in tech and design that's lying around, uh, which people are picking up here and there, which they are not very well versed with. During the last two, three years, there's been a lot of movement in digital transformation sorts, you know, large companies like Bain, BCG, McKinsey. They have been involved in some some really big projects in, uh, in huge companies in India, which essentially are digital transformation projects, which are great but it's kind of difficult to see and measure the basic changes that these kind of uh, these kind of agencies and these kind of uh, functions are creating in such companies it to an extent digital transformation has become kind of a pr move is what we realized in the last 2 3 years and uh, seeing our share of work with a lot of these companies we have realized the core work around design and tech is actually going to teams which are not very well vetted So when we started with a lot of these kind of larger companies, we realized that a lot of people inside who are working as product managers aren't people who have been trained around products, around tech, around design. So they find it fairly difficult to grasp certain concepts, which makes them, you know, which makes their job especially harder. And uh, they're expected to come back with solutions, which.
0: Ready to pop the question?
2: sometimes they don't know you know how to get around with so there is definitely a lot of work that is required around informal design and tech education of uh, the industry and uh, that is somewhere we are actually trying to make a move we are trying to build products around this space which allow people to learn more especially from people like us and that is something we pretty much learned empirically a lot of our clients have been have asked us a lot of questions around design and tech and we have we have taught them a lot of different type of tools, a lot of resources in, in these domains which has helped them a lot, which actually creates kind of a symbiosis of sorts between us and uh, that actually gave rise to the idea in our heads that maybe this is something that we can probably do in the market, maybe we can build a product around this. So that is something we are working around. Uh, something else we are also working around is building kind of uh, integrated ecosystems for remote work. So uh, one of the things that we have uh, learned while running remote teams for the last 2-3 years is a lot of stuff that we do every day can be automated, a lot of dumb stuff. For instance, an example of a very, very rudimentary dumb issue would be if I were to, let's say, upload a particular screen, like a, a design online on, on, a, on a reviewing platform, and you were to be the reviewer, you sh- I should not have to go to you and tell you, hey, I have done this, why don't you check it out, right? There should be a direct integration from that tool to your IM, like a Slack or, or anything else, and you should automatically be notified of the fact that this job is done and you can at your own leisure go and check it out to review it.
1: You're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Fire, on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot.
2: That's a very small example of this and uh, many such smaller threads tied together create something of a an integrated uh, product ecosystem. And that is something that we have been w- building internally for the last two, three years. We have been working extensively on Slack, on Envision, on Zeppelin. These are all various tools in design and tech, and uh, they all talk to each other, which basically means that the essential job that we do are things that cannot be taken away today from humans, like actually designing, like explaining concepts, like explaining briefs. right? So that's also something we are working on. We are trying to build uh, an integrated product ecosystem of sorts, which is especially uh, effective and important today in these times where remote work is really taking off. So we thought, why not do it right off right now?
1: Yeah, so that's interesting because then you're trying to, you know, again, trying to make it like one stop shop that yeah, provides yeah. you with programs for, you know, in terms of educating the people at the other end, plus making it as seamless as you could possibly do. So that's, yeah, plus you have, you know, some amazing designers that are also working on your platform with you. So, yeah, I think that's that's quite interesting and um, it definitely has legs so yeah good luck with that I mean that that should be an interesting progression I guess saying that recently a few days ago I interviewed this guy from (laughs) Delhi and um, he started something called Poster Gully the
2: the rage coffee person
1: yes that's correct Bharat yeah so um, yeah (laughs) so he was talking about you know again providing a platform for artists of course he's no longer a part of poster gully but in terms of you know artists and allowing them the freedom to be able to to have this platform through which they can share their designs and you know but i think that's more retail than anything else right
2: yes uh that's right so actually on that note Bharat Sethi right so Bharat did a really good job with Postergully. When we were starting off with Canvas, uh, the leg of Canvas, which was merchandising, had Postergully obviously as one of the prime competitors. There were a lot of things that came out back then. There was Postergully, there was something called Cupic, and uh, there was also some red, something I don't remember. This was also Bombay based. And uh, yes, that was primarily graphics and uh, posters and t-shirts and stuff like that. It's a it's frankly and easy to get into market, but it's very difficult to execute. And uh, all with the logistics and the demand creation, it, it gets too difficult to you know, survive in this market. And uh, we realized that we really don't want to do this much earlier. We <laughs> no. were weren't very interested back then. But PostEcaly has done some phenomenal work back in the day. I think they were uh, sold off to this exhibition uh, house uh, back in 2017 or something.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It was. It's more merchandising than um, yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Well. So, what outside of Canvas. In, what is your life like? You know, do you have? Do you like music? Do you enjoy travel? What do you do outside of design?
2: Right. So, uh, so I mean. <laughs> I don't have a lot of people who ask me this question, honestly. It's just mostly, a little,
1: <laughs> it's just a little peek into, <laughs> you know, no, I'm into not that, uh, Rohit I'm not that Rohit.
2: interesting a human being. <laughs> it's pretty much, you know, handling multiple uh, stage names for me. Like sometimes I go with Rohit and it guess the life is a little challenging that way. Anyway, uh, stories aside. Um, so I think one of the things that I uh, don't pride myself a lot with is uh, reading a lot of uh, books which are non-literature as, as in uh, non-theory. So I have a lot of uh, interest and uh, I read a lot around machine learning and deep learning and uh, mathematics till, from the last four years. Uh, so I have my, my master's was in, uh, my bachelor's and master's actually was in, in physics, right, in engineering physics. So I did a lot of mathematics back then. And uh, recently for the last three, four years, I've been very heavily involved in teaching myself uh, machine learning and deep learning. I'm not from a computer science background, although I've been teaching myself CS for the last, I mean, since I was in school. So that is something I take a lot of interest in. Uh, i read books I, I code for that matter and i i try to apply as much as 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 possible to build stuff something that really interests me is uh, stuff uh, how can deep learning or machine learning for that matter impact design as a field and recently there have been some massive strides in the field of NLP, Natural Language Processing, which have actually led to assumptions like, you know, uh, user experience as a field will probably be completely uh, disrupted by artificial intelligence. Not that I completely agree with it, but in a way I think, I think that makes some sense because uh, if you think about it, a lot of machines, a lot of models that are created in uh, in basically machine intelligence, a lot of those models are taught to find patterns and do repetitive things uh, over and over again, which are far beyond human capabilities. And if you look at certain things around design, like, uh, can I look at certain data and you know make certain assumptions and then land onto certain inferences and hence make certain patterns out of it. So if you ask me, I want to make a savings application, so I'm going to ask you that, okay, so okay, so you want to dive into people's income data, uh, you would want to have a dashboard of sorts in the application, you will want to have a passbook of sorts, you will want to have a savings calculator, and a lot of these solutions are pre-existing, right? Right, yeah. But it makes a lot of sense to think on the lines of how would you actually translate uh, reasoning into natural language, and something that has... A concept that really baffles me is uh, is a concept of a language model so if you I'm not sure if you're keeping tabs on the AI the global AI community but uh, there's a company called open AI open AI was started a few years back I think one of their board members is uh, Sam Altman the one of the main guys of uh, Y Combinator so uh, open AI the main purpose of open AI was to basically build stuff which uh, in in the artificial intelligence domain which was you know open for people which was open for usage which uh, and hence uh, it was like open research of sorts. They have been putting a lot of effort into building language models recently and uh, one of the models was called GPT. So GPT started I think three years ago after that they came to uh, GPT-2 and now it's GPT-3. So interestingly when GPT-2 came in they issued a notice that they are not going to release it openly because they thought it is. It's too dangerous to be, you know, exposed to the world, to the internet in general. And uh, it would be made, there'd be a huge amount of misuse around that. And everyone laughed at them, essentially, that uh, don't take yourselves too seriously, right? But when GPT-3 came in, which was like two months ago, around May, I think, it pretty much blew everyone's minds. GPT-3 could write essays that were completely coherent. It could talk to you as a particular voice it could design screens, it could write code like no other model had done earlier and it's basically showing people a glimpse of the future, right? And this is just getting started. So a lot of interesting things happen there. Aside of that, uh, aside of machine intelligence and math, I I have started uh, reading a few books. So uh, that's something that I do these days. I I do play music, but not a lot, honestly. And uh, yeah life is uh, something like that but i think i spend a lot of hours thinking about the integration of design and tech frankly and uh, it, it, it's something that i find myself doing sometimes i actually i pretty much doze off while thinking this happened pretty much i think i think this happened yesterday itself i pretty much dozed off while thinking about a problem that we have been working on and uh, yeah that that, that that occupies a lot of my time uh, but in Canvas, there are a bunch of other things that dip my hands in. i, I am actually involved in pretty much everything in Canvas. and uh, there was a time, I think two years, three years ago, when i used to I used to have time to consult people because I used to think that you know it's it's nice to be doing multiple things. So I used to be consulting companies and product design on uh, you know getting products to the market. But recently, I've realized that I don't really want to do that. I take a lot of interest in studying. And uh, ironically, I think most people realize that studying is very important around six to seven years after the, you know, education is formally over. Hmm. So similarly for me, it's like, you know, there's a continuous race to, to purchase more time in life, to read more stuff. And uh, a lot of things are interesting today. And it, it gets very difficult to find out what you really want to stick to, right? So yeah, a lot of my time is actually spent reading stuff, uh, which is mostly literature like math and science. And um, I mean, actually, also, um, I've I've recently started listening to books, I have recently started reading to books, like, uh, currently, I'm reading a bunch of different books. Actually, I'm reading uh, G.E.B. by Douglas Hofstadter. I'm uh, reading a kind of an currently old you can call it Uh, i think 21 lessons for the 21st century by you all know harari that's something else i'm reading Uh, i'm also reading uh, this book by ben horowitz uh, from anderson horowitz and netscape's fame uh, called hard thing about hard things so yeah i think i i'm I'm reading three to four different books right now and that's how most of my time goes
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's only 24 hours in a day anyways
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: I'm, 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 i'm I'm pretty, uh, I'm very well optimized with sleep that way. I don't generally need more than six hours or five hours of sleep. It's great. (laughs) That's good.
1: So if you have, I mean, just one tip, because a lot of the listeners, you know, of Melting Pot could potentially want to be entrepreneurs or they have you know they get inspired by all the guests so if there is one tip for a young listener what would it be as an entrepreneur
2: what would be the one tip I think one tip would be identifying the hollowness of constructs in life I'll explore and deep I'll dive a little deeper into this when I say identifying the hollowness of constructs in life I mean as an entrepreneur, before jumping you know, into this whole charade, uh, there are a lot of things you think of like risks, will I be able to find a job uh, if everything fails, uh, will my company take off, will I find an investor. A lot of things in life are actually, they are constructs that are built by our society, by people much like us. And uh, it's something of a very absolute way of thinking that i have developed in the last 3 4 years to identify constructs which don't make a lot of sense education is one of those constructs teaching yourself is something that you can totally do if you're disciplined enough similarly instead of doing an mba you can actually run a business which will be far more profitable if you want to do it properly other constructs uh, like uh, being an introvert versus being an extrovert i am actually not much of a, an, an extrovert which is why i, I totally avoid uh, networking events actually and I, I have been probably been to two or three networking event in my entire career as an entrepreneur i just absolutely hate them and i have realized it's actually a construct that i really don't need to abide by and these are things that sometimes work for you that sometimes don't work for you but there is something that we definitely need to understand actually even as non entrepreneurs that you don't have to really live by those rules you have to identify what works for you and really do well in that because when you do really well in something that you really like the results are pretty much fantastic and uh, there's a lot of satisfaction involved it might not result in financial well being but it results in uh, you know a satisfying chance a satisfying output and These constructs around us often bind us and uh, sometimes money is the solution to these problems like admin stuff in life, right, worrying about stuff. So it's important to earn money and uh, therefore the constructs are also important to identify. A lot of people tell you that until and unless you struggle really hard you won't get anything. That's not really true. It's, (laughs) It's not really true. It doesn't, you may struggle a lot but you might fail. You may struggle very little but you might do very well. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And therefore, the focus is not the struggle. The focus is the goal, what you're trying to do. And uh, we, we kind of get uh, distracted by these these tropes, these stories we tell about entrepreneurship, like the struggle, the hustle, you know, the late night hours, the the whiteboards, and all that. It's all uh, it's all a construct. <laughs> it's all in your mind and. Uh, The sooner you identify these, and the sooner you identify what you really want to do, the better your chances for your results are. Otherwise, you're gonna keep fighting hard and after two years of fighting hard, and let's say after failing, God forbid, you'll realize what you were really doing back then was not fighting hard, you were just pretending to fight hard, and your focus was on the pretense rather than actually the work. So it's, it's it's kind of a meta concept in life, but uh, I think finding constructs in life is very critical. And the earlier you find these constructs, the earlier you break through them. And the clearer the horizon looks. So I think, I mean, if that was crisp yeah. enough, yeah. it um, was clear. <laughs>
1: no absolutely i mean that's you know that's a very very constructive tip thank you so much it's just been such a riveting conversation you know it's been sort of listening to you talk about so many different aspects of design and i'm not a technical person at all i'm a creator
2: no i'm 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 I'm, I'm just hoping I did not alienate you in the conversation. To no,
1: previous. not at all. It the story is about you, <laughs> not about me. So um, I think it was. It's been interesting for me as well to just listen to. I'm you. glad it was. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thank you so very much. Um, thank you,
2: Violet. It was very nice talking to you.
1: Likewise, thank you. Just listening to Dave Protham's insights into design and technology. And him sharing with us the kind of books he's been reading has been quite fascinating. And I'm just totally blown away. Hope this chat has been equally insightful for you, my listeners. And you've got some good tips if you are a budding entrepreneur. So until the next episode of Melting Pot, this is File signing off.